good morning. How are we doing today? Anybody lie when they just said that? Sometimes we say great and we don't. Life is not great. Can we agree to that? Sometimes life is hard and just sometimes, sometimes, right? The problem with life is that it's daily, right? And so, man, just if we're here for the next few moments and uh, bring all of our cares and concerns to God, for He cares what happens to you. So, man, I'm glad that you're here this morning. My name is Matt. Good morning again. And uh, been, I've been speaking at other churches. Father's Day, we had a lot of different communicators up. And I don't think I've been like here uh, live in like five weeks. And so I'm like jonesing to be back. It's good. I don't, jonesing is probably not a good thing though, right? I'm glad to be, I'm glad to be back here uh, this morning uh, with you guys. Um, I want, I want us to start uh, kind of with the end in mind. So uh, if you will, not like the end of Jesus coming back, but the end of the message. So if you will, turn your insert over to the back side, and you have, yours should look like this before you ride on it. And uh, there's an open space here. Here's what, I, here's what I would encourage you to do real quick. I want you to write down uh, two names. One can be family. One can't be family. They don't have to be family. One can be. One must not be. But here's, here's who I want you to write down the name of. Who is the person that you can talk to about anything? Like you can just kind of like tell them anything, even the hard stuff that you're ashamed about, that you can just like, uh, here's me. And you know that they're going to love you enough to hear it and not like put you in a headlock, right? So come on, play along with me, do that. We're going to have a little thinking music at this time. Maybe, just kidding. My sound guy is probably in the restroom. So just kidding. Just think of that you're hearing music, right? Um, I will not sing. Names. One can be family. One must not be family of someone that you uh, can talk to about anything. If that was hard for some of you guys to write down as you're writing their names, like if you couldn't really think of anybody, man, can I encourage you to find someone in your life that you want to be like when you grow up and put in the relational effort to know them, you got to have somebody you can talk to. You got to have someone that you can be honest with and that loves you enough. This is what I say to my discipling group. I tell these men, I said, I'm going to love you enough to say to your face what others whisper behind your back. Right? Because sometimes it's challenging, but I'm going to love you enough to say to your face what others whisper behind your back. And to have a place, the space where you can talk to someone is really critical. Um, so uh, this is my second time I've given this message today. We did 845. And here's what I've rem- re- I was reminded about of myself is that I, I'm just, I have such a hard time like being like soft and fuzzy. How many of you are soft and fuzzy kind of people? Derek Croffles, raise your hand. Yeah. Uh, Derek Croffles is a soft, like he's so gracious and shepherdy. Oh, I just, I love you. And man, I'm just like, boom, right, right to your, right to your nose. And Man, I try so hard to be, but can, will you guys give me permission just to be me today and know that I'm doing this in love? I, I, I'm, this is one of my insecurities. Like after I gave this morning's message, I go back and sit down. I'm like, oh my gosh, I was just way too hard. And I told people I tried to be kind and I just can't be kind. And it, but it comes from a, it comes from a place of kindness and a place of love. But I, I'm just a, I'm just blunt and I'm trying not to be blunt force trauma. I'm just trying to be blunt. All right. But we're talking about freedom. We're kicking up a new series today about freedom and how Jesus has set us free. 
right? That's good news. There's the good news is that Jesus has set us free. I, I talked to the old people last week when I mentioned this, and I, uh, you guys will understand what I'm saying. Well, how many of you guys remember uh, the Andy Griffith show? By a show of hands, Andy Griffith. How many of you have never seen it? You have no idea what I'm talking about. Andy Griffith, raise your hand. All right. Andy Griffith, uh, thank you for playing along. It's a great show. You should watch it. Great. How many of you guys remember Otis? Come on, Otis. What was Otis's story? Town drunk, right? And Andy and Barney Fife were so kind to him, right? He had access to the jail cell. He could come in with the, take the key off the wall and unlock the jail cell and, and go sleep off his alcohol and get up the next day and let himself out. And there was no tickets. There were no fines. They just provided Otis a safe place to get sober. And, but I think there's a lot of truth to that in our own spiritual life at times is that um, it's that we have been set free. But it's not that uh, we know where the key is on the wall. And it's not that Jesus has put the key in the lock for us and we're set free. It's that Jesus has blown the door off of the jail cell. Like there is no door on our, on our, that locks us into a captivity. We've been, but yet sometimes we still find ourselves, uh, like Otis, we return. We return back to, to our captivity. We go back to the thing that brings shame. We go back to the thing that creates guilt. We go back to the thing that makes us look over our shoulders because we're afraid we're going to get caught in it. And, and that's, that's a horrible way to live. But let's just be honest. A lot of us are there. And sometimes it's little bitty things, right, that we just kind of brush off quickly. And some of us, we're like in these, like our jail cells, like uh, maximum penitentiary, solitary confinement. And that's no fun. And where I want to begin to talk about starting today and for the next three, two weeks is that we have freedom in Christ. We have freedom in Christ. I want to give you three quick observations about freedom, three thoughts about freedom, and we're going to look at uh, some scripture. The first thing is this. Um, some of you today, are, are this is going to be new information because you didn't know that you could be free. You didn't know that you had access to freedom. Like that you like whatever it is that typically keeps you chained up, whether it be an addiction, whether it be a, a marriage situation, whether it be financial, a depression, it doesn't matter. Like we don't have to even pinpoint one thing. Like some of you had no idea that you could actually be free of that thing. You just thought this is your lot in life and this is just kind of what you were going to have to deal with. Well, today I hope that you observe and learn something new. Second thing I thought about freedom is that some of you don't think you deserve to be free. You, you, you would say, hey, I've done some pretty uh, bad things in my lifetime, and so everything that I have that's painful, I deserve it. And so you, you're like, any, actually any favor in your life, you begin to freak out because you're unworthy of favor. You're unworthy of good things because you have caused so much damage. Like when you look in your rearview mirror, there's like flames and explosions and people crying and people hurt because you've just been a mess. Like that spinny Tasmanian devil that you used to watch as a kid growing up on Saturday mornings. But you do, you do deserve freedom. Don't be so, um, here's the blunt force maybe, um, don't be so arrogant to think that you're the one person whose sin, whose pride, whose greed, whose misery is greater than the blood of Jesus. Your stuff is not bigger than Jesus' love. Your mess is not bigger than Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Like God's plan for you and his love for you is way bigger than anything you can mess up. You do deserve it, but sometimes we don't think we do. Number three is some of us simply don't want to be free. What's the, I took a quote and I made it work better for a Sunday morning. Some of us are more comfortable with the devil we know than the God we don't. Some of us are just more, like you know, although you know at the end it's going to create destruction and cause pain, there's things about it that are comforting, and you know exactly what you're going to get, and you're, you're, comfortable with, you're, you're, you're comfortable with being captive. You're comfortable with the jail cell. 
I want you to know today that, man, I, I pray that you will choose freedom, uh, choose freedom in Christ. I want to take you this morning, and we're going to start in Luke chapter 4. Luke's chapter 1 and 2, uh, Luke was, uh, was a doctor. He was also an investigative reporter. The person who wrote Luke also wrote the book of Acts. You can just kind of read them together. They continue. And Luke is talking about the life of Jesus. And uh, in chapters 1 and 2, he's talking about the birth, and he's talking about some prophetic words that were said over this uh, Christ child, Jesus. Chapters 3, you begin to read about Jesus' baptism and his time of preparation, being in the desert for 40 days, of prayer and fasting, being tempted by the evil one. And then in chapter 4, you see Jesus starting his ministry. And in chapter 4 is what we're going to pick up today. And notice one of the very first things that Jesus does as he begins his ministry. It says, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, so that's where Jesus grew up, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. So Jesus had a custom. Jesus was Jewish. He had a custom, a very, very Jewish lifestyle. And he would go to the synagogue, go to temple church every Saturday on the Sabbath. It says that the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed him. If you're new to church, Isaiah the prophet has a, has a book in the Old Testament called the book of Isaiah. And on this day, Jesus was handed a scroll. They didn't have the Bible app at that time. He was handed a scroll and he unrolled the scroll of Isaiah. It says he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. And so here he quotes from that Old Testament book. And he says, he quotes uh, from Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Then he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. And notice his words. He says, now his own words, he's no longer quoting. Jesus says, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Jesus, when he took that scroll and he read it, he then says to the people that were there, what you just heard me say... I've just done it. That's a big statement. Jesus said this some 2,000 years ago as he was quoting a, 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 a quote or quoting Isaiah from almost 700 years prior to him. And so some 2,000 years ago, Jesus said that he accomplished something, yet many of us live like it hasn't been accomplished yet. Like he is still working towards these things. But I want to show you five things just from that scripture. Like you could, you could have done this on your own. Five observations from Luke chapter 4 that Jesus says that he completes. So look at this. Number one, it says Jesus was anointed to bring good news, right? Look, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has chosen, he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So Jesus says, one, I've been chosen by the Father to bring good news to the poor. Number two, Jesus was sent, he was on mission from this passage to proclaim that captives will be free. That people who are in chains, people who say, hey, I have an addiction, who people say, this is where I can't break free. Like you've ever used that language. Jesus says that actually you have been set free. Actually, you, you, you are no longer a captive. Number three, Jesus said that he fulfilled that he was sent on mission to allow the blind to see. That not only did he heal people physically, but it's the spiritual blindness. If you've ever said, man, I just don't get it. I'm just not that smart. I just can't see it. I just don't understand it. Well, Jesus says that you have the opportunity to see because he was sent on mission to give sight to the blind. Number four, Jesus was also sent uh, to the oppressed would be set free. Those who you feel like uh, society, culture, opportunity, your family keeps pushing you down, right? This is kind of Jesus saying, listen, no, 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 no excuses. I am bringing freedom. I was sent on mission to give you a new identity, not what your family put on you, not what, um, not what a society puts on you. Like you can be free. I fulfilled that. That's pretty cool. Number five, I love this one. It's my favorite one, actually. Jesus was sent to bring the Lord's favor. 
I'm on mission to bring good things. I'm on mission to bring about hope. How many of us, though, if we're honest, when we begin talking to God or about God, we try to talk God into doing something good for us? Like we automatically assume that God is out to get us, and it's our responsibility in prayer to change his mind so that he will do something good for us. Yet, okay, so before I get to my punchline here, I want you to look at those five things over my left shoulder and right shoulder. They're on their bulletins also on the app. Pick out the one that's bad. It's a trick question. What's the bad one? There isn't one, right? Like if all you knew about Jesus, if you just don't do this, if you ripped out your page in your Bible of Luke chapter 4, verse 16, and that's the only scripture, like you were able to take one piece of paper uh, on a desert island, and that's the only one you took, and that's all you knew about Jesus, tell me the fault you find in Jesus. If that's all I know about Jesus, I'm like, sign me up. He sounds like a really, really great guy. I mean, he's going to give good news to the poor. He's going to set the captives free. He's going to cause the blind to see. The oppressed will be set free. And he's going to give me favor. Show me the condemnation. Show me the judgment in what Jesus said he fulfilled. Man, for some of us, this is why you need to be here today. You keep approaching the Father like he's some bad guy out to get you, out to zap you, out to destroy you, where when you think that, here's what you need to know, just being really honest. When you think those thoughts, you are in direct conflict with what Jesus says he is and what he came to fulfill. Jesus is not out to judge you. He's not out to condemn you. Jesus is out to set you free. I want to add a fourth thing this morning, just for you guys. Those first slides I put up, I said, some don't know you can be free. Some don't think you deserve to be free. Some of you don't think uh, you don't want to be free. Can I add a fourth one? It's not on the, you you can write it in or just remember it. Some of you don't believe you can be free. Some of you just really don't believe it. Now, um, when we write a message at New City Church, we have kind of four things that we look for, right? And so like when I'm crafting this, we have our big idea. What are we trying to get across? This is insider information. Isn't it awesome? We have like the big idea. What are we hoping to get across? Two, uh, the big heart. Why is this important to us? And then we have the big ask. Like, what am I going to ask you to do today? And I'm going to ask you to do something. It's a big one. And then the big win. How do we know if you did it? And that's a little bit more challenging today to discover. But we, we, we have those four things. Big idea, big heart, the why we teach it, the big ask. What are we going to ask you to do? And the big win. How do we know if you did it? Can I tell you why this message is important to me? I'll be 40 this year. And I would say that much of my 20s, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk vaguely because of young, little ears in the room, okay? Most of my, in my early, as a, as, a, as a Christian, as a follower, much of my early days as a Jesus follower, there was a sin that just had a hold of my life. And it involved what I chose to look at. And man, I'm, there was just temp, there was just temptations all around. I, li- I moved to South Florida, and everybody there's pretty. Even the ugly ones are pretty, right? And and there and there was and there's just there was just temptation. And then you know uh, you know you got the internet where you can find and look at whatever you want to. And sometimes that stuff would sneak up on me and catch me off guard. And be honest with you, sometimes I went looking for it. Sometimes I would search out my captivity. I would search out the things that didn't bring me freedom, that caused shame in my life, right? Now, you can insert your thing for my thing. It's all the same. 
right? It's all the same. And each time I knew as a follower of Jesus that that was not God's will for my life. I knew that was not God's plan for my life. And I loved the Lord. I had great, uh, I, wanted, I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to follow him. I wanted all these, all of these statements I said that you're supposed to say and the things that you say, I said these. But the truth is, is that um, I knew in the back of my mind that I was probably going to do that again. I was probably going to pursue that again. I was probably going to think that again. I was probably going to look at that again. I, was just, I just knew as much as I, I didn't like it and as much as a shame and as much as I hoped that nobody I knew. I didn't believe. I didn't believe that there would ever be freedom. Church, I stand before you today as one of your pastors, one of your elders, that I want to say this to you. I don't care what it is that you're struggling with, whether it's uh, um, uh, something that you think that creates you to feel a certain way, if it's things that you put inside your body to make you feel a certain way, if it's you love to spend money because it makes you feel a certain way, whatever it, I mean, gosh, we could take the whole service time talking about what it could be. You know what it is. You have freedom in that in Jesus Christ. There's freedom in that. Or, Stan, if we could go up to that last screen or summer, that one that has all five, or Jesus is just a, is, is just a liar. So either we have freedom because Jesus says that's what he does, or he's a liar because the truth is a lot of us are not there. Matt, are you saying that you can live your life sin-free? Man, I think there's always going to be obstacles in your life. But if you're looking for a pastor that's going to give you an out, I ain't giving you an out. Here's what I'll tell you this. What if we were a people who consistently chose to follow Jesus? What if our confession every day, not one time at a camp or not one time at some retreat we went to or not one time at a promise keepers rally, but what if every day we started our day with this confession, Jesus, you are my leader. You're the Lord. You're the boss of my life. Why? Because you're the, you're the, the resurrection in the life. You're the only one I know who died for me and lived again. You're my leader. I anoint you. I appoint you. I choose you as my leader in my life. I know that you want to guard me, that you want to guide me to a prepared place. Like for some of us, that's what you, that, this is the first step of salvation for you. It's for you to say, I'm appointing, I'm making Jesus my leader. And you need to quit thinking it and you need to say it. Like there is power in your words to say, Jesus, you are my leader. And I know that you guard me and that you guide me and you're taking me to a prepared place. I'm kind of giving you the punchline for today's message. But Jesus will never lead you. He will never take you through the sin that captivates you. I'm going to prove that to you this morning through Scripture. Why is this message important to me? See this stuff? Come on, some of you have done this. You know what I'm going to say before I say it, but everybody in the room, come on, you got to play along. Even you new people, even you two guys are too cool, come on. i got a beard too. I'm chubby. All right, so um, grab your skin. Nobody's too cool to this. Grab it. Don't grab it right here. You'll feel bad about yourself. Grab it right here, right? <laughs> this stuff, this flesh, will always pull you in the opposite direction of God. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care what kind of home you were raised in. This stuff will always get you to do what you want to do. That's why Paul said you have to beat the body daily and put your body, put your flesh in its proper place. Because the one person in your life that is competing and putting up a fight to be in charge of your life is not some outside source and it's not me or some other person. It's you. You will put up one hell of a fight to be the Lord of your life. It's in the Bible. You can say that one. You will put up a fight to do what you want to do. And every day, that's what I'm saying. Every, maybe for some of you starting out, you've got to do this multiple times a day. Every time your flesh says, do this, do this, you've got to say, no, Jesus is my leader. And he is guarding me and he is guiding me to a prepared place. And I tell myself, no. And I'm telling you, some of you, it is going to be a fight. It's not going to be easy. You don't quit very easy. You don't lay down. Your flesh is going to say, no, I want to do it. And you're going to be the biggest baby and brat on the planet. 
But I'm telling you, if you will allow Jesus, he will give you freedom and he will give you peace. You guys want to see how we get there? Let's start with this. C.S. Lewis, famous author, he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. He was led to the Lord by another famous author named J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote the Lord of the Rings. You guys have heard of those guys? Both of them really, really smart British dudes. In his book, The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis writes this. He says, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. Okay, let me make it, give the message translation to C.S. Lewis's quote. There are some people in the end who have aligned their life to God and they say, God, thy will be done. You're the leader. There's others in the end that God says to you, thy will be done. You wanted to be in charge, you've got it. God's freedom, if I can maybe say it like this, God's freedom is so grand, it's so big that God's freedom gives you free will. God's freedom gives you free will. Did you know that you're so free that you don't even have to choose to believe him? You could choose to say there is no God. You can choose to say, I don't want to follow Jesus. You can choose to say, Matt, you don't know what you're talking about. I completely disagree on everything you've said so far. You have free will. Like You can think and say all of that, and God's not going to go zap. You can think it, right? Here's the definition of free will if you don't know it. Free will, the ability to act at one's own discretion. The act uh, to be able to act at one's own discretion. That's what you have free will. How I wish uh, uh, God would simply kind of put strings on us and direct us sometimes. Wouldn't it be easy? Wouldn't it be easier if God was like that drill sergeant? You know, think of the movie Forrest Gump and Forrest Gump gets on the, uh, the bus and he's going to the military and the drill sergeant's just right in his face and he says, Forrest, what are you here to do? And he says, whatever you tell me to, drill sergeant. And there was a lot more colorful language in that. I toned it down for you. But yeah, he, like, wouldn't it be great if just Jesus just got in your grill and let you know? Anybody in the military in here? Anybody ever do a basic training? Uh, uh, Greg, did you ever get yelled at? You still get yelled at by my aunt? Anyway, so we don't go there. It's another message. But uh, she doesn't yell. You know what? Not only does Ann not yell at Greg, Jesus doesn't yell at us either. He's not a drill sergeant. He's not going to get up in your face letting you have it when you get out of line. I'm reminded of the story in the scripture where a young man comes up to Jesus and wants to be his follower. And he says, hey, I've done, he gives him his resume. Look at all these things I've done. And Jesus says, hey, good for you. Now go sell everything you own and follow me. And what does the young man do? He walks away sad. Now, we don't know. It doesn't tell us that he never comes back. It says he was sad. If I told you, if all of a sudden Jesus, let me make it Jesus. If Jesus stood right here and he said, I want you to go sell everything you own and follow me, I would walk away sad. I love my Jeep. That doesn't mean I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to walk away. So we don't know if the guy didn't do it or not. But here's what the scripture does share us, share with us is that Jesus doesn't chase after him in like that real dramatic romantic scene or a drama, spin him around and say, are you sure? Do you know what you're doing with your life? Jesus doesn't do that to that guy and he doesn't do it to you. He lets you walk. With the constant invitation that at any time you can come follow me. Jesus wants to be your leader. He wants, to, he wants you to give him permission to lead him into your life. If you guys want to turn this over, let's look at some scriptures here that support kind of this theme of where I'm going, all right? 1 John 1, 5 through 6. John writes this. This is the message we heard from Jesus. John was a disciple. He, he spent a lot of time with Jesus. He said, this is the message I heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Notice this part. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. 
I want you to underline two words for you to think about this week. I'd love for you to keep this piece of paper as a devotional. The, word, the two words are practicing and the word truth. Notice what John says right before that. We are lying to ourselves, we are lying to others, if we say we have fellowship with God, yet we go on living in spiritual darkness. Why does John make that statement? Because Jesus never leads you to spiritual darkness. Jesus is not going to lead you to the addiction. He's not going to lead you to the pain points. He's not going to lead you to the captivity. Jesus will lead you to freedom. And so John says the people who are saying, oh, I have fellowship with God, but yet you remain in darkness, that he uses that hard word and he says, man, they're, they're not telling the truth. They're, they're lying. He says they are not or we are not practicing the truth. What's the last three letters on the word practicing? What are those three letters? I-N-G. What is I-N-G? Uh, what does that mean when you put it on a word? Active, right? It's ongoing. Not, hey, I practiced the truth. I went to Christian school. I practiced the truth. Now I'm ready to go. Come on. I have a spiritual grandmother, and she taught me everything I know. I practiced the truth as a young person. Stop it. You got John, the disciple who Jesus loved, and he's telling us, man, we have to practice. We're practicing the truth. You want to lose weight? You don't go to the gym five years ago. Right? Come on. Let's use some common sense. Oh, I read the Bible. Yay. You want a cookie? Right? We keep practicing the truth. We don't get up. Nobody's arrived. Nobody's arrived. We keep practicing the truth. I told you. I can't, I'm sorry. I'm just, okay. John 8, 31 to 32. Notice what Jesus, uh, Jesus says this. Then Jesus said to those who had believed in him. So he's got a bunch of church people. They're going to say, Lord, we're in. What do we do? Look what he says. If you continue ongoing, to follow my teaching, you are really my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. As you continue to walk with Jesus, as you continue to come to worship, as you continue to lean into your Bible and read and study, as you continue to journal, as you continue to pray, whatever mechanisms you use out there that, that, that are applicable to you saying, I follow Jesus, whatever those are, as you do that, you understand Jesus better and you follow him more faithfully. How many of you guys in the room, men, uh, have been married more than five years by a show of hands? Raise them real high. Okay. Um, how many of you men, by the show, keep them up real quick. We're going to do a little survey. How many of you know uh, more about your wife today than you did on the day you met her? All right. Does, does sometimes, can she just give you a look and you know what she's saying? All the guys laugh. Okay, put your hands down. All right. Would not the same thing be true in your walk with Jesus? Me and Jesus, we went on one date and I know everything about him. No, you don't. I went to seminary for four years. I know every, No, you don't. When you walk with Jesus, you begin to learn more about Jesus. The longer you date him, the longer you date her, the more you discover about one another, the more you sit with the Lord, the older you get, the wiser you should become. Oh, I know what the Lord's doing. I've seen that look. Right? I mean, that, that's relationship. If the only time you talk to Jesus is right now, and it's when I'm regurgitating what Jesus has said to me, that's kind of gross, first of all, right? Come on. How do we become self-feeders and self-leaders and self-learners where, like, you can sit down with your Bible and say, God, what do you have for me today? And allow the Word to speak into your life. I'm going to keep giving it to you best I can, right? Look at this next one. You, how many of you guys have read uh, Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages? Anybody? If you're married, you should read that one. If you're dating somebody, you should maybe read that one. You maybe understand your spouse a little bit better. Someone posted on Facebook last week, uh, what is God's love language? And it said, God's love language is obedience. 
God's love language is obedience. Jesus actually said it's actually very theological sound. John 14, 15, look what Jesus says. If you love me, pray more. If you love me, go to church more often. If you love me, add a zero to your tithe check. If you love me, be kind, which that was a commandment. If you love me, obey my commandments. Isn't it interesting how sometimes we try to express our love to Jesus in so many ways other than the one he told us to? I'm going to keep telling Jesus that I love him, but I'm going to keep doing what I want. I know, right? I want to share this quote with you. No person can walk in two directions at the same time. At every moment of your life, you will either take steps towards Jesus or away from him. For those of you who like to debate, just try this today. Just try to walk outside and try to walk north and south real quick, right? Just try it. It's impossible. Uh, even try to walk north and then like northeast. You can't do it, right? Like you're, you're going to be headed towards something all the time. And it's also true spiritually. I mean, you can't walk in two directions. You're going to have to choose who you're going to follow. Are you going to follow you or are you going to follow God? Is it going to be God, thy will be done? Or is God going to say to you, hey, you, thy will be done? And, and here's the thing that I want to end with. And I, um, this has kind of been for me. Here's a, a part of the, the big heart that I mentioned. And it's this quote that's from my journal, uh, that sin leaves no space for peace. Sin leaves no space for peace. Um, are you tired of looking over your shoulder? Are you tired of always having to clear out your search engine so nobody knows what you looked at? Are you, are you tired of hoping that you don't get found out? Are you tired of laying your head on your pillow at night trying to remember what you said because the lie has just gotten so big and so extreme? Can I tell you what peace is? Peace is me saying, here's my phone. Have a ball. My peace is, hey, here's my bank account. Have a ball. Peace is looking at my wife and knowing that I'm not trying to keep her from knowing anything about me. Peace is looking at you guys and saying, hey, I'm not, I'm not afraid of getting found out. I'm not embezzling something or I'm not keeping some relationship secret, right? There, man, there's peace. You know what you get when you get peace? You get a good night's sleep. And man, I want to encourage you, if nothing else, like my favorite thing about Jesus is that one day um, I'm going to be in the, I'm going to, I'm going to pass and I'm going to be with God forever. Like I, I believe that. And I can't wait to actually see the man, Right. I've read about the man. I've even got audio books where I hear about the man, right? I've been to other churches where people talk about this guy, Jesus. I can't wait to when I actually get to meet the person. Because you know there's a person, right? Like, I know you know his teachings and his miracles, but you realize that there actually was a man named Jesus who lived, who died, and who lived again. I can't wait to say hi to him face to face. My second favorite thing, though, about being a follower of Jesus is peace. Peace is fantastic. Peace allows you to play loose in life. Peace allows you just to be able to go around and be you and be comfortable and pursue God and not be worrying at any moment that somebody's going to call you, that she's going to call you, that your boss is going to catch you. I mean, there's just peace. And, but at any time, you can choose to be captive to that thing that takes away the peace. Sin leaves no space for peace. There's just truth in that. Sin leaves no space in, for peace. You, you can't. They cannot coexist. Man, follow Jesus for nothing else so you can get a good night's rest so that you can have peace in your life. Now, I, I kind of, uh, I, didn't, I didn't set you up completely, but I, I have kind of aimed you at a specific direction. Uh, maybe you've already figured out what the big ask is. Those two names that you wrote down, 
that you can talk to about anything, you, need, you might need to set up a meeting with them. Because the scriptures teach us, I'm going to get out my little phone here, not because I need a scripture, in my flashlight. Scripture says that when we confess our sins to one another, it brings it into the light and it exposes your darkness. And I guarantee you this about whatever sin, if you have one that you're thinking about, you're thinking, ain't no way, brother. Because when you talk about that thing and when you expose it to that person that you said you could talk to about anything, there's shame associated with it. There's guilt. There's fear. But here's the deal. Jesus says when you bring it into the light, there is freedom. You've got to call it out. You got to, Here's the thing. Is it going to hurt? Absolutely. Are you going to be embarrassed? Probably. Are you going to be ashamed? Maybe. But here's the deal. It's going to be out in the open. And you're going to be able to talk about it. And you're going to, again, to a person that you trust and that loves you. And you're going to be able to be held accountable. See, nobody wants to feel that way. Like when you bring something out, into the, out of the darkness into the light, and it is so uncomfortable for you to talk about you're not so apt to go back to that again because you didn't like the way it made you feel when you shared that with somebody. That is the power. And it's a weird, painful one, but that is the power of getting caught. That is the power of confession. That is the power of truth that sets you free. Do not choose. I beg you, don't walk in darkness. Don't choose the dark. Step into the light and be free. That this doesn't have to be your life. That lie doesn't have to remain. That addiction, you can be free from that addiction. Those thoughts and emotions, you can be free. How do I know this? Jesus says, if you will make me your leader, I will lead you, not into temptation. I will deliver you from evil. Every day, Jesus, you're my leader because you're the resurrection of the life. Jesus will not lead you to the friend who is where you buy your stuff. He will not lead you to the liquor store where you choose to get drunk. He will not. I'm just telling you, he's not going to give you. He's not going to get you to do that thing because that is not the direction that Jesus walks. Do you have enough courage to share your thing with the person that you trust the most? Ooh, that's a big ask. I told you it was today. The big win. I have no idea if you do it, unless you just come up someday and you say, "Dude, I'm. I got peace in my life." I've got peace in my life. I've got peace in my marriage for the first time. Woo, we went through a fight, but I've got peace in my marriage. This no longer has a control on me. I've got peace in my life. Now, I have to end this way with prayer because the first person that we confess to is Jesus. Now, I'm going to give you some, a frame and then I'm going to pray. When you talk to Jesus about whatever is in your life and whenever you talk to your friend, you can't, don't be a pansy prayer. Here's what a pansy prayer is. God, please forgive me for all the things I've done that's bad. No. No. God, I'm sorry for... No, no, no. Jesus, I agree that when I do blank, call it out, bring it into the light, I know that it is an opposition with what you have for me. I choose to repent of that. Jesus, when I... And you list it out. And it's going to hurt to say it. Because if it didn't hurt, you wouldn't be doing it in the dark. You would bring it into the light. Bring it into the light and let Jesus become your leader. Or, you ready? You don't have to. And at some point in your life, it may be the next week, it may be a decade away, you're going to pull up to a destination that you've been spiritually walking for quite some time. And when you get there, you're going to be like, I hate this. 
I hate this. And just be reminded, thy will be done. You're, you, you have the freedom to follow Jesus, or you have the freedom to say, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. Either thy will be done, or God says, hey, it's what you wanted. Father, I pray today that, man, we would choose freedom. Man, choose freedom. I ask that over the congregation of New City Church, in my life, to the folks in the lobby, that we would be a people who would confess daily that, Jesus, you are our leader, that you guard us and you guide us, taking us to a prepared place. Jesus, be that for each of us. Guard us, guide us, lead us to a prepared place. Help us when we're ignorant. Help us when we're slow. Help us when we don't think we know what's going on. Jesus, lead us, guard us, guide us to a prepared place. Thank you for your freedom. Thank you for the gospel message that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus, who was our sacrifice, our sacrifice, and that this Jesus, that you died and you resurrected, that you could give us hope and you could give us life. It's in Jesus' name that I ask this, and I can ask this. Amen.